Welcome, everybody, to the Jesus in Family and Ministry podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Gray. Super excited to have you guys here today and um, very excited to have our guest, Brother LJ Harry. And um, sir, it is a privilege to have you on today. Oh, thank you. It's a privilege to be on today. Yes, sir. We're going to pray and open up, and then um, we're just going to dive into it after we pray. Father, we come before you. God, we thank you, Lord, for this moment and time to be able to you, um, discuss Jesus. this mandate Lord, that we so have as fathers, good. Lord, to lead our homes and lead our families. And I help us. Lord, I pray, God, for those who are here this podcast, help God, that your spirit, Lord, would touch them. Ask. I pray, God, that you would speak through us, oh, God. And I pray that this discussion, Lord, would help Jesus someone um, love you and love be galvanated, God, be moved to improve where they are, God, and see that they can be so much more, God, than what maybe they are right now, God, and encourage those who are doing the best they can, God, to continue to move forward. We ask today, God, that you be with us, and God, we give you glory, and we give you honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Yes, sir. So, Brother Harry, it is awesome having you on. And I know looking so much, man. Yeah, I just, yeah, I'll be one of those people who's just kind of, I follow people and at a distance, I don't always interact or like jump in, but following you on social media in different places. And um, it's been a joy to watch there. And then, you know, got introduced to you um, about three years ago or so uh, when you came in and did camp for us uh, here in the Virginia district. And um, really was looking forward to this discussion today just because of um, talking about communication. Um, but before we jump into all of that, I want to ask um, you to kind of give some background on yourself, um, who you are and, uh, you know, what you do. Okay, sure. Absolutely. Well, again, it really is an honor to get to be on with you and all of your listeners. I, my name is LJ. First name is really Lloyd, which means the old gray haired one. Which, so I obviously don't want to go by that anymore. So <laughs> the older I get, the more gray hair I get, the less I want to go by that. So yeah, my name is LJ. I am the follower of Jesus. I'm the husband of Andrea, whom I call the lovely. I've got two, we've got two daughters, McKenna, who will be 17 this month and Rayleigh 13. And before I moved here to St. Louis to work as director of curriculum, I was a pastor in my home church, Mount Vernon, Ohio. So primarily my, my whole life, actually my entire vocational life, I've been involved in ministry on the local church level. And then just recently on the more organizational level, working with curriculum and, and feeding shepherds who feed the sheep as opposed yeah. to feeding the sheep on the local level. So it's been, yeah. we're in a great state of transition right now that I'm still getting my feet underneath me to know what it means to serve in this role, but I'm, I'm enjoying it. I yes, really sir. am. Yeah. I know, um, there's some people who I know that have worked with you for different things and I believe in, um, some good things are going to come out of it and, and looking forward to what happens there. Um, I know, my my big thing Thanks, when I man. was um, looking at this topic today, which was um, talking about just communicating with our families, and I think for men that can probably be one of the harder things for us to do sometimes um, is be able to express <laughs> things and talk through things. And um, yes, you know we're we're taught from a, a really I won't say we are always taught, but most of the time you hear as far as men go that we're we're not the emotional type. You're not you know we don't communicate well things like that. Um, and what I have found, you know, being a, a husband, exactly. father, um, me and my wife are going on 10 years, um, of marriage. And one of the things I think that probably gets awesome. told to me the most awesome. by people who are way down the road 
is communicate, 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 communicate. And um, with that, absolutely. Yeah, and with that, I wanted to know from from you. Uh, you are a, a phenomenal communicator. I mean, watching you talk to a crowd of, of I want to say, you know, preteens, early teens, talking to a group of adults um, in the same room, same time. Communication seems to be one of those things that you have mastered. Um, would you say that it's a gift or like a skill, or would you say that it's kind of a combination of both? I personally think it's a combination of both a gift God gives and then a skill we cultivate. I really believe communication solves a lot of problems, covers a lot of a multitude of sins. Yeah. As as a husband, my one of my privileges is to communicate with Andrea so she knows what's going on in my life, what I'm thinking and all that. And yet still as just as a typical man, I fail to communicate so many times I cannot tell you. I can't count on all my hands or feet, how many times over the last 22 years, seven months and nine days, which by the way, happy pie day. Today is pie day. Yes, I got sir. A coconut cream pie. It's a better Tuesday. <laughs> yes. So the communication, how many times I have not been where I needed to be at the, at the time I needed to be there. And it would have been all solved had I just said, oh, hey, babe, don't, I just want to remind you I'm going to, or I won't be able to so it's, it comes difficult, even, yeah. even to people who live to communicate. I communicate for a living. So I say that to say none of us gets it right all the time. But I do believe the ability to communicate with people is both God-given and a skill to cultivate. And the, my primary mode of communication is through story. I read okay. the Gospels and I see Jesus communicating all the time with people. I, he, he communicates with shepherds about shepherds and with seed sowers about seed sowers and they understand what he means. So I, mm -hmm. I aim to communicate on a level that everybody in the room, if they're young, if they're not young, if they're very educated or if they're very simple can understand. So while it is, I believe a gift, I also think we have to work hard to make sure we're, we're saying what we need to say, listening when we need to listen, and then also saying it with our body language in such a way that people understand this is what I mean. Yeah. So what have you found as being, um, so transitioning from, you know, communicating to a group of people to transitioning, talking to, um, you know, your family, mm -hmm. how do you take the skills and things you, you have? Um, and well, let me ask it this way. Sorry. Did you learn how to communicate better at sure. home or did you learn how to communicate better publicly and then bring it <laughs> home? It's odd. Most people don't want to be public speakers. Yeah. They would rather sit in a dentist chair surrounded by snakes than be a public speaker. <laughs> but it's easier for me to communicate <laughs> to a crowd than it is to a smaller group. And then... I'd say probably even easier to communicate to strangers than to family because family knows everything. They know your yeah. history. If I'm communicating, if I'm having a devotion with my girls and I'm, I'm sharing a devotion about controlling our anger and letting the spirit of God control our anger. But they know that just two days ago I got mad at somebody in traffic and was like, what do you think you're doing? <laughs> you know, it's right. very easy for them to call me on that. 
But if I'm addressing a group of 500 junior hires about controlling your anger, they have no idea that mm -hmm. I just yelled at a guy in traffic. So it's harder and it involves a whole lot more apologizing and a whole lot more saying, I know I blew it two days ago, yeah. but this is where God wants us to be. Yeah. So, and being willing to acknowledge that. So it does translate from the public sphere into the home. But whereas I communicate namely in the public sphere through stories, my own stories, biblical stories in the home, I don't want to communicate unless we're having devotion. Yeah. I don't just want to use parables and stories at home because I don't want the girls to think I'm just preaching at them right. or that, that dad, the preacher can't just be dad, the dad. Mm -hmm. So I think it is harder to communicate at home. Than, and I know this is the odd thing. I know people who are absolute phenomenal communicators in the pulpit who are really poor communicators in person. Wow. And so that's a skill to work on just making sure that we don't just give it all in the youth room or the pulpit or the sanctuary or the tabernacle right? and then have nothing to give when we get home. As men, most of us, many of us may understand that men usually use fewer words than women per day. And so what could happen is we communicate so much to others that by the time we get home, we're just, we're just wiped out verbally yeah. and we don't want to say anything or listen. And that causes problems. Yeah. I've heard that before that I forgot what the, the actual ratio is, but it's like thousands of words difference between what a woman uses and what a it's, man it's uses. A, it's unreal. Now, yes, the lovely tells me, she says now in our house, those are switched, <laughs> but I tell her, but my job is communication. I communicate for a living. So right. I, I'm not talking too much. I'm working out like this is exercise. Uh, this is yeah. strengthening these muscles, which I'll use for the glory of God one day. So <laughs> she's not buying it. <laughs> no, no, I can understand that. Um, but it is, I think I have a job where I communicate a lot. Um, mm -hmm. uh, managing people, you know, is practically always constant communication, um, whether it's directional or um, just encouragement or recognition or, you know, uh, correctional. You're always constantly sure. using the words. And um, I know for me, what I have found is when, you know, there are those times where I get home and um, it's like, okay, so, you know, we, my wife and I, we have five children. One of the youngest ones about to turn um, one uh, into April. But the other four are very much so vocal and there awesome. and excited and they want that energy, like, you know, bring that same energy um, that you had at work as far as like, you know, being upbeat yes. in there. And you're like, I, I don't know that I have that to give. Um, what have you found to kind of help right, you right. go from work to family and be able to, you know, pour into your family? in such a way as to let them know that they matter and they, they are important in the moment. Exactly. I have found, first off, when I was in Mount Vernon, I had an eight minute commute. Now, if I rode my bicycle, it was 12, but if I drove my car, it was eight. It wasn't near enough time to decompress. Yeah. So I got home and if I was in my car, I have this. So once again, I mean, my word count is astronomically high for a man. So I would get on the phone and talk to friends. Well, it's eight minutes. We hardly even get past, man, how you been? Good. How you been? Good. Good. And I'm pulling in my driveway. So I'd walk yeah. in with a phone glued to my ear and Andrea would just look at me like, really? 
you're gone for eight hours and you show up and you're not even with us when you are here. Yeah. And I had to learn that when I get home, I need to be home, mm. not just physically, but mentally, emotionally. I need to be available to my family to be present. Many times, especially when my girls were younger, when I got home, they wanted to run to me and give me a hug and tell me all about their day and what star they got. But I'm on the phone with a friend yeah. from Mississippi or Arkansas or Kazakhstan. Right. And they look at me like, I thought you're home. So yeah. what helped me was a rebuke where they pretty much said, hey, when you're here, you need to be here. Mm -hmm. What helps me now is keeping that in mind, but also I've got a 15 to 18 minute commute. Nice. So I have time, some time to decompress when I leave the office. And that commute really does help. I just clear my head, clear my mind, try to keep off the phone. And so when I'm pulling in the driveway, I've had time to just release some of the pressures and realize that I'm about to go to a sanctuary. Right. It's been hectic and frenetic and hitting deadlines at work, but I'm about to walk into a sanctuary with three people who love me more than anyone else loves me on this planet. The yeah. very best I can, the least I can do is be the best dad and husband I can be and be available, be present and try, even if I'm tired, try to bring that energy level that they need and they deserve. Andrea tells me about her dad and how awesome her dad was growing up. She said he would come home from work and she knew he was absolutely wiped out and exhausted. And yet he would wrestle with her as soon as he came. she saw him, she would run to him and just, they would wrestle for a long time. Yeah. And she looks back on those days now and says, you know what? I realize he had to be wiped out, but he took the time. And that yeah. to this day, when she speaks of her dad, those are some of the most fond memories she has of him are the wow. times he took with her, even when he was tired. Wow. I know. Um, yeah, it can, it can be, you know, it can be so difficult to realize the impact that, you know, those moments have. Um, but it kind of takes me back to a moment where, um, so my dad was in the military and, um, Okay. We used to make, uh, when we were driving, he was driving somewhere and I was riding with him when I was a kid. Um, he flew helicopters in the military and um, oh, so we would have cool. these moments. Yeah. We would have these moments where, um, you know, we're driving and it's nighttime, you know, the whole dashboard's lit up or whatever. And we would play like we were flying a helicopter, you know, and he's like talking to talk. They would talk when they're flying and all that stuff. And, um, oh. I remember those moments and it, mm -hmm. it came back to me one day. We were actually, um, it was our wedding day, um, which is also on my dad's birthday. And um, as I was just remembering my dad, oh, cool. you know, I'm at the mic and talking about, you know, family and stuff like that. And um, at the reception. And I remembered that moment. And as I began to talk about that moment, like I could see it impact my dad that moment of you know it wasn't a whole lot of those moments but just the fact that it meant something to me um you know when he could have exactly. been driving thinking about you know what was going on in life bills that had to be paid or what was going to happen next at work and um you know whatever else was going to happen that taking that moment to say okay let me let me have some fun with my son let me enjoy um those memories and then you know being yes Yes. Pulled out to the garage to sit in the cold garage while he was working on the car. <laughs> um, or those moments of. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. You know, I look back at now and I'm like, 
you know, I wish I could take better advantage of those moments, conversations that we could have had if I had known that was a good time to have that conversation. Um, and it, it really pushes me now to try to make right, sure that exactly. I'm engaging with my kids and helping my kids. Um, looking yeah. at communication. Can I from the, add one more thing? Oh, yeah, sure. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I just want to add one more thing. Dads, we do this as husbands, too. We feel like if we do something extravagant and lavish, then that's going to buy us, I don't know, like two months or something. So let, let's say, for example, it's right. it's our wife's birthday or Mother's Day or anniversary or something. And, and, and let's say we just take her on a cruise. And yeah. I mean, that's just, wow, that's awesome. That's expensive. It's a lot of time and all that. And then we really don't do anything, a date night, flowers, a card, anything for the next six months. Because in our mind, and we still mm -hmm. have credit from the cruise. That's yeah. not how it works. <laughs> and the same is true with our kids. We can be guilty of thinking, well, we're going to Disney in the summer. Yeah. So that's a big trip. That's a lot of time. That's a lot of money. That'll buy me credit. But really, I really believe, and it's like in our relationship with God, I believe our kids, our family, wants more consistent as opposed to just gargantuan, lavish yeah. installments of time. Yeah. So. Whereas certainly they do appreciate those others, you'd be amazed at how quickly that credit can wear away. <laughs> yeah. If you don't do anything to really improve that yeah. relationship on a consistent daily, weekly basis. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, was that old, uh, the analogy of, you know, a bank uh, account. And if you aren't steadily working and putting something in there, there's going to be a point in time where you, go to withdraw and there's nothing to, yeah. to take out because exactly you put anything in. And I think sometimes we think because children are so resilient exactly. that it's easy to just kind of, they'll be okay. Like you're saying, they'll, they'll be fine. They'll be all right. And, um, I had a moment, right. right. Um, I'm going to be very transparent here, but I had a moment, um, actually not too long ago where, um, I had to apologize to my son. Um, because it was a moment where he needed me to not be stern dad. He needed me to be loving dad and communicate to him, yes, you know, through yes. my actions that he was okay. Yes. Everything was fine. Like you're, you're going to be all right. And, um, one of those moments I just, I absolutely just blew it. And, um, when I came back to him, yeah. um, and I was like, Hey bud, you I know, get that. daddy's sorry. Um, he was like, for what? And I'm explaining to him, you know, daddy got mad and he, he shouldn't have got mad. I should have been there to just let you know you were okay and everything was going to be fine. And uh, my son is, my oldest son has this tendency to just be like, oh, it's okay. And I'm like, bud, no, it's not okay. Like, it's not okay daddy does that. Like, it's, it, sure. daddy needs to make sure that you know that in that moment when you're like, you know, you're five years old. So what's going on in your life is huge and momentous and it may not seem like a big deal to yes. me, but it's it matters huge, to you. Huge, huge. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it, exactly. And it is, you know, and we can forget I've done that. that billions and billions and billions and billions of times. <laughs> um, yeah. oh, but yeah. we can forget that because, you know, at work. You're absolutely right, what, bro. You know, what mattered to us was the fact that, you know, this certain deadline wasn't hit or this particular thing was going on or this thing was missed. And so to us in our world, you know, what my five-year-old son is dealing with is, is small. It's insignificant. It really doesn't matter that much. 
but to him in that moment, right? my ability to be present, and I'm realizing this more and more, my ability to be present and, and move away from trying to look at it through my lens yes. and look at it through his lens. That's so, so very good. Um, has, has been probably yeah. one of the most challenging things there, as being a father. But it's one of the most important. We forget quickly what it was like to be in, like my girls right now are high school and middle school. Yeah. 11th grade and 7th grade. Yes. And we forget what it was like to be in 7th grade. Like I look at it now and I'm looking at my responsibilities and obligations. And that's to provide for a family of four to make sure I get all of my work done, make sure I'm following the call of God, make sure I'm having my devotion. So if my girl who's in seventh grade comes home and she's stressed out, I can, I can devalue that and say, stressed out about what? They didn't have lasagna at lunch today. And forget what it's like to be an awkward middle schooler finding yourself, your body is changing, your your identity is still just kind of up in the air, like who am I gonna be, what am I gonna be, what am I gonna do? So it's very easy to forget that as an adult. I have to try to remember, she's 13, who cares? She doesn't care about mortgage. (laughs) She cares that the friend she thought was her friend Mm. just totally ghosted her. And now she feels she has no friends. And I can look at that and be like, that's nothing. You're paying a mortgage? But she looks at it and says, dad, I thought she was my friend. Yeah. So I have to I have to try to remember what it was like to be where she is. And I, I do not like the philosophy of, well, you know, I made it through, so you're going to have to do it. Mm. I don't think that's a healthy way to treat the next generation. I don't think it should be, I suffered, you have to. I think right. it should be, I learned some things along the way. Let me share with you what I learned. So you don't have to suffer through the same things I did. They're going to yeah. go through hardships just because they're alive. So I don't want them to just, like, I barely made it out. Let's see right. how you do. <laughs> I think it's healthy. We didn't want that. Right. I certainly don't want that for my girls. Yeah. So yes, I, I, and kudos to you for being humble enough and man enough to apologize to your kids. You, one day, Lord willing, if in the Lord tarries, one day your son will say the same thing to his and say, I'm sorry. And he will have learned to apologize by watching you. And I, if I was wearing a cap, I would tip <laughs> I, I commend you for being a good dad. Yeah. I, I mean, I, one of the things I... But I can't wear a cap because the building policy says no hats in <laughs> No hats allowed. Um, that being said... No hats allowed. No hats here. No hats. Um, that being said, how have you... How have you worked through those difficult situations and times where, you know, you've absolutely blown it whether it be with your wife or your children um oh man because i think our tendency as men is to kind of when we blow Mm -hmm. it is withdraw sure um is to withdraw and then hope my kind of like you were saying earlier my actions say i'm sorry um versus putting in the work how have you found ways to like work through that to, to mend those relationships and put things back together. Man, I've said, I'm sorry so many times that I wonder, it's almost like a post-it note. I think the (laughs) sticky is wearing off, but I mean it each time. I just find myself saying it a lot of times 
because I'm a typical man yeah. who just doesn't think all the time. I have found myself, I really blew it one time, and it wasn't just a one-time thing. It was a compilation that led up to a one-time thing. And I realized it when my daughter, I don't know, she might have been four or five at the time. But I came up to her one day. I was leaving to go out of town on a ministry trip. I came up to her and said, I love you, Rayleigh. And she said, bye-bye. <laughs> and it hit me. She equates I love you with I'm leaving. Mm. And what hit me is, first off, I'm leaving too much. And secondly, I'm saying I love you too little. Clearly, when I say I love you, if I'm, I'm leaving, I'm leaving way too much. Wow. But I'm not saying I love you enough if the only time she hears it is when I'm walking out the door. I blew it big time. Wow. So that was one of those times I came home from that trip and I set my calendar in order and I talked to the family and said, okay, so I, I need to pare down how much I'm away and really focus on my time here at home. Yeah. When it comes to blowing it with Andrea, as far as just as a husband, on those times when I really just blew it, I come to her and say, I'm sorry. And I, I do my best not to qualify it, not to excuse my behavior, but to say legitimately, I'm sorry, not to blame anybody else. Because as men, we are prone to justify or couch or mince or excuse. For example, hey, you know what? I'm sorry I said that to you. Had you not been rushing me, I probably would have been. That's not an apology. Right. I'm sorry. For this, you know, I've been under a lot of stress at work lately, and it's, that's not an apology. Yeah, I just have to come right out and say, "Hun, I'm sorry. You deserve better. I should never have treated you like that. Shouldn't have said that. I should have been home when I said I'd be home. I'm sorry. I promise yeah. I will do my best to do better. I, that is the only real way to apologize when you blow it. And I have apologized to my girls many times when I blew it, and for the same reason you do. First off, it's the Christian thing to do. Secondly, I want them to know that when you blow it, it's okay to admit it. In fact, it's right to admit yeah. it and then to make it right. It's amazing. I don't understand how it works. I'm sure there's a study, but it's amazing how there can be tension in air Yeah, that all of a sudden goes when you simply say, I'm sorry. But man, those are hard words to get out. They're three <laughs> syllables, but they're really hard to say. It is. Saying I'm sorry and saying I'm wrong seem to be. Oh, yeah, saying I'm wrong. <laughs> that's, a, that's a tough one, too. But we've got to learn how to say I was wrong. Yeah. And I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, what would you say to a father who is um, maybe he, he sees that in himself and he sees that he, he really does want to do better as a father? but he struggles to really kind of put it into to action. What are some things that you would say to him to kind of help him move forward with that? Oh, good question. I would, I would simply say it's really, it's easy to hear and hard to, to, to do. Yeah. I would say just be sincere, own it, and ask for help, not not necessarily outside help unless you need it. And there is no shame in asking for outside help. Yeah, we had a season in our marriage when my schedule was too busy and I was gone, 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 gone. Andrea's love language was quality time, mm -hmm. and so I was. It wasn't that I was just withdrawing; like I was going to the ATM and emptying it out. 
yeah. by being away too much. And so all of that really did put a strain on our marriage. And I got to the point where I, I realized that really the best thing to do is to pare down the schedule, be home more. But then I also, I mean, I told her point blank, I will get help. I will get therapy, counseling, whatever I need to make sure I make our family priority. I yeah. just, I don't want to mess what we have up. There's nothing wrong with admitting that. But I think when it comes to getting help is also asking from your wife and your children. I'm so sorry I blew it. How can I do better? Mm. And then just be willing to listen with a, a very open mind and open ears and not, I promise as men, we have struggled with this. We justify if they say something that, for example, I just wish when you came home, you would be off the phone. Well, somebody has to pay for this house. And so I was on the phone trying to make some money so we could, all of that. They don't care about any of that. Yeah. All they care is we just want you. We want you home. Yeah. So just listen. Don't argue. Don't justify. Don't fight back. Just listen. And then some of the things they say, they may be reasonable. They may not be, but at least we can try to come up to some agreement where we can do better, be better. Instead of just feeling like our way is the only way, the right way. And if you don't like it, then it's your problem, not mine. Because eventually yeah. it will be your problem. <laughs> There'll be tension and yeah. you'll find yourself just starting to part ways and disconnect emotionally, romantically, even physically. So yeah. I would, I would encourage every man, every dad, every husband to be willing to listen to their family. And when you're listening, don't be listening to respond. Just be listening to hear yeah, and then take whatever time you need to respond, but don't be trying to come up with a quick, witty, clever, either excuse yeah. or response. Just listen to what they have to say. Yeah. I, uh, that listening to understand is probably one of the hardest things to do, especially if you feel like <laughs> you are in a position where you're justified in what you're doing and your actions. When you have that moment, you're like, you know what? I, I feel like I'm in a good position because yes. I'm doing this because of ABCD and they're really good reasons. Um, it can seem very difficult to, uh, yes, to say in that moment, no, I, I am wrong. I, I do need to listen and try to figure, figure this out. And the other thing too, is I know for, for Absolutely. us as fathers, I was talking to a young man not too long ago and, um, he was talking about social media and he was like, well, you know, like what well, they say on social media, this, 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 this. And I'm like, so that's not a good source to go to. <laughs> what do you mean? Are you telling me TikTok isn't always reliable? Oh, my word. Um, I get all my news off of TikTok. I mean, absolutely. It's unbiased. There's no agenda. It's all very objective. You're well-informed. <laughs> Hi, I'm, I'm Mr. Naive. What's your name? But um, we were talking about it and he was, you know, mentioning social media and I was, you know, we were, we were just kind of going through some things and trying to explain um, and he got it, but it was like, you know, social media is going to portray life a certain way because of the agenda, um, because mm -hmm. of, you know, you may find, you're going to find some good stuff out there. I'm not saying there's not good stuff out there. Obviously we're on social media, oh, absolutely. but um, right. when it comes to your marriage, <laughs> You yes. can't rely on in your children. You can't rely on someone else's experience as far as, um, well, you know, all women are this way or all men are this way or your children are always going to want this or always. Oh, want absolutely. That. Having that conversation where you're listening. Right. To hear what that person has to say. And understand what they have to say. Me and my wife, we talked about it 
a lot is the fact that we had to realize that we were communicating and I've, you know, I've heard this before in books and people talking, but communicating on two different levels. You know, I would say something and she would hear something way different than what I said. And it, it took a while for us to have that conversation around, okay, so you said this, what did you mean by that when you said it? Um, And that for us was huge. I don't know if this is a business thing or what it is, but I hear a lot and I hear a lot of this in the business world where people say, okay, so what I'm hearing you say is, yeah, and then you respond with, with not just the words, but the tenor of those words. Yeah. Like we read that in Exodus 34, where the Bible says, and the Lord said to Moses, write thou these words for after the tenor of these words, that there is a feel or a, a tenor, a tremble, two words that when you hear them, they may not mean what you think they mean. Right. We all know when a lady says, fine, fine, everything is fine. <laughs> Nothing is fine. It's not. So the words themselves has a t- they, they have a tenor. Yeah. And I, I, I don't do very well at this because I wasn't trained to do this, but I'm hearing it more and more in business, in ministry, even in counseling. Certainly I'm hearing, okay, so what I'm hearing you say is, and then right. you repeat back what you hear and give them a chance to say, no, that's not at all what I meant. Or, yeah, yeah that's pretty much what I was trying to tell you. You had mentioned also, like we, we use like generalities, for example. Men sometimes are apt to use generalities because we want to get our point across. We want to win the argument. So we say things like, well, you never, you're never on time. We're always late for church. Right. And all she has to do, all the kids have to do is say, yeah, well, six years ago, on a Wednesday night, we got there five minutes early. Yeah. And then your whole argument is invalid. Yeah. Because you you went you went all in. <laughs> you yeah. went, we are always or you never take out the trash. Well, actually, <laughs> back in nineteen eighty four, I took out the trash. So avoiding those generalities, right, they help, whether it's the kids or spouse, it yeah. helps to be able to to avoid those and not use those because usually when we use those, we're trying, we're, we're exaggerating. We're trying to go overboard to get the point across and make somebody look worse than they really are. Right. And that's just, that's not loving. Yeah. No, it's not at all. It's not at all. Yeah. Um, with that, um, as men, uh, I mentioned a little earlier that sometimes people are like, you know, we all, you all are not emotional or men are not emotional. Um, but I think any man who is honest would mention the <laughs> fact that he is very emotional. Um, we deal with it differently. I think I saw a Absolutely. video uh, by T.D. Jakes, and he was talking about how women deal with things on the outside. So they're talking about it. They're talking through it. They're they're verbalizing what they're feeling. And sure. men, we have a tendency, not all, but you know, we have a tendency to, when, we, when we're bothered by something, kind of go introvert and kind of deal with it internally. Sure. Um, when, when working through emotion, what has been some things that you have found to kind of help, especially in a moment where you're trying to communicate maybe, um, what you're trying to communicate or the situation you're in has, has caused emotions to rise on, on both sides. How have you found uh, to be effective to bring it back down to where, um, the emotions there, because both parties care. 
both people are in an emotional state right. because something is is important at that moment and you know there are different places but how have you found to be helpful to kind of bring it back down to where you can just communicate together effectively to kind of move that ball forward i love how you said emotions are high because both parties care you're absolutely right i've heard people say things like love is the opposite of hate or hate is the opposite of love i don't think that's the case i think apathy indifference is the mm. opposite of love because if i hate somebody that means they've done something so egregious to me or about me or about somebody i love that has caused me to feel this deep deep emotion but if right. i didn't care about them i really wouldn't care about them wow. I, I wouldn't even think about them but if i constantly are, are mad at them then they've disappointed me in some way which meant i had higher regard for them than how they acted yeah. so to your point when both when emotions are high that is a good sign that both parties are wanting to care for each other they're just you just keep missing it and going to wrong levels so the one of the things i try to remember is i'm not always going to feel this way tomorrow morning my emotions are going to be down to an even keel we're going to get up in the morning and the girls are going to go down and we're going to get breakfast out of the pantry i don't want it to be weird yeah. i don't want it to be awkward and tense and so i have to remember that today is not the last day mm -hmm. probably I mean, Jesus could come any day, but right. <laughs> likely today is not the last day. I won't always feel this fevered pitch of emotion. And so what I say and do in this moment, I will pay for tomorrow. And I don't want to pay for it. I yeah. really don't. So I, I try to remember today is not the last day. I, I won't always feel this way. And I don't want to do anything or say anything I'm going to regret. I, I don't always hit that mark. Yeah. Sometimes life is so stressful that not mad at them, but they're there. I take it out on them because they're basically collateral damage of an anger or a frustration at someone else or something else. They're the ones there, so they get the shrapnel. But I don't want that to be the case. So that's one way One way I do it. Another way, I mean, just very practically speaking, I had a situation where it was like a road rage incident. We didn't do anything, but somebody got mad at us. And so they came in the restaurant where we were dining and just attacked us verbally. And I, I thought we're going to attack oh, us physically. Wow. And man, I'm telling you, Brother Gray, my my emotions, they skyrocketed in a second. It was like it was it was like a missile. I just stood up, I looked at him, and I kind of bowed up, even though I mean I have arms just a little bit bigger than two slices of spaghetti. <laughs> but I bowed up and it was like, let's go. And Andrea wisely, calmly yeah. told me, she said, I had this. You didn't have to stand up for me, that kind of stuff. So I talked to my cop friends. I was a chaplain yeah. in, in Ohio. And I talked to them. I said, how do you de-escalate a situation? Because I had what was called tunnel vision. I didn't know about any of this. They explained to me what happened. I said, it was the weirdest thing. The room got small. My body temperature rose. All I saw was the person in front of me. It was, that was yeah. all I could see. Even though I was full of, a, in a restaurant full of people, plenty of square footage, yeah. I felt like the room was closing in. And they said, that's tunnel vision. That's part of the fight or flight response, the amygdala. That all you do is you zero in on the threat an attempt to neutralize right. the threat. I'm not trying to kill her, but I'm trying to get out of there so neither she nor I are right, hurt. Yeah. And so they explained what you need to do in that moment. Take a step back. Take a look around. The room is still as big as it's ever been. Still as many people in here as there were a minute ago. Breathe. Yeah. Think. And then respond. And so I try to do that. I had 
Not long after that, I had a moment where somebody made me mad and I wanted to lash out and just pop the pin, throw the grenade and walk away. And instead, I took a step back. I looked around. The room was still big. And I, I responded. That's one way I deal with charged emotion is mm. physiologically and then also just keeping in mind mentally, I won't always feel this way. And so I'll either pay for or benefit from the way I respond now. That will happen later. That's good. That's good. I've heard of the the stepping back physically from a situation in yes. order to allow yourself to have that space to just kind it's of weird, be able to man. process it. And I know for us sometimes, um, yeah, I mean, just a change of body. Um, I think it's I was watching so a, weird, a, bro. This, the book is called, um, uh, what is the book called? Um, I can't remember the name of the book. The author is Jocko Willink and Leif Babin. Okay. Um, Extreme Leadership. And he was talking about okay. as a leader that you that you have to step back sometimes, yes. even physically push yourself back away from a situation in order to to get a better picture and get out of the emotion of it. And just, it, it exactly. Oh, you don't think about that in the moment. Oh, no, no. And the, the, the part of it I can't understand and can't explain is it's almost like pinching and zooming on a photo where all you see, you don't see the edges anymore. And you hardly even see any of the negative space yeah. behind the photo. All you see is the person right in front of you. So it's it, it really is like yeah. your mind, your brain pinches and zooms. So all you see is what you perceive to be a threat. And now your body is heightened, your senses, your your sight, even your probably even your hearing to what they're saying. Yeah. So you can process all of it and determine if I'm in danger, I'm out of here. Or if I'm in danger, I'm fighting my way out of here. So yeah. that's just, it's amazing to me how God fearfully and wonderfully made us if we use it in the right way. Yeah. But if we don't, and we, this is, I called this process popping the pin. If somebody attacked me verbally, what I would do is I would pop the pin. I would throw the grenade at them. I would say yeah. something, lash out, and I would walk away because I don't want to get the shrapnel. But I would leave them, just look down and see nubs on the floor for knees and be like, what happened there? But that's not loving, Christ-like. Yeah. And it's definitely not healthy, especially yeah. in the home. If they feel like they can never talk to me about something that might make me mad. And the next thing they know is I'm coming out of the corner swinging and popping pins. Right. Then they're going to just leave me alone while they suffer in silence because don't make him upset. Because if you make him upset, yeah. he'll say something to or about you that he'll regret and will scar you. So we have to, as dads and husbands, be willing to just take a breath, take a step, take a beat and think, will I want to pay for this tomorrow or will I benefit from what I say tomorrow? Yeah. Mm, that's good. That is so good. Well, sir, as we're wrapping up here, um, yes, sir. I wanted to open up the floor um, and just kind of give you an opportunity. I know, you know, we had our questions and stuff, but, Mm -hmm. um, was there anything as you were preparing for this discussion and talk, was there anything that came to your mind that you want to share that maybe we didn't cover? Yeah, I think the two things that I can think of are to be available, to be present at home or you're on vacation, to stay off the phone, leave the laptop at, at work. Really, when it comes to your family, be present and just enjoy your time with them. The other night, it was a pretty slow day. Thankfully, didn't have a whole lot of deadlines or things to do. So when I got home after dinner, we went downstairs. We played Super Mario Brothers for three hours. We had a blast. 
We had such a good time and I was present. Yeah. I wasn't texting or looking at my phone during the times while somebody else was playing. I was there. We were, com we were having conversation and the family loved that. So be present. Then the second thing would be when, when it's your time to listen, listen, listen with your eyes, make eye contact. Don't be looking around the room wondering what else is going on. Listen with your ears, obviously to hear what's being said. Listen yeah. with even your hands that, if something is very traumatic for somebody in your family, let's say your wife is going through a tough time or your daughters or sons are going through a difficult time to put your hand on their shoulder or just hold them and let them know you're there and you're listening. Listen with your body language, with, with your responses, even just to say, okay, and let them know you're, you're hearing them, that what they're saying is important to you and you value it. And then when it's time to respond, then respond. But, really listen to understand and listen with all of those senses so they know when they're talking to you, you're listening to them. But one of the highest compliments I ever had somebody pay me, and I'm not saying this for bragging because I don't always get it right, but one time I did, and this gentleman came to me, he said, you know what, when you, when I talk to you, I feel like I'm the only person in the world. And I've done my best wow. to let that be a testimony that others can say, if, if I'm not a good speaker, if I'm not a good preacher, if I'm not a good storyteller, at least I can be a good listener. So that's that's one of my goals is to be a good listener mm. in this life, especially to my family. So that's those are my two tips for a healthy home. How's that for alliteration? <laughs> that works. I appreciate it so much. Yes, sir. Absolutely. And um I want to thank everybody for joining today. Um, thank you for your time. Thank you for uh, thank being you. a part of today. And I, I pray that as people listen to this, it's something that they can grow from and feel encouraged. Um, you know, as men, sometimes we can feel that we're in it all by ourselves and nobody else deals with what we're dealing with or nobody else um, has those moments of outbreak or those moments of anger um, or those moments of just messing it up royally. Um, <laughs> and uh, hopefully, hopefully, um, this will encourage someone to um, to understand, you know, they're not by themselves. So I really Absolutely. do appreciate you being here today. This was my privilege. Thank you. For well, sir, thank you again. Before we do sign off, yeah, yes. before we do sign off, you also have a podcast. And I wanted to make sure we talked about that um, well, before we signed you. off from everything. But um, you do have a podcast, Simplify. Yes, sir. And um, yes, I want to give you an opportunity you so to talk much. about that yeah, as you well. Listen to Simplify. It's a devotional podcast. Each devotion is about, I don't know, somewhere between eight and ten minutes or so. So they're fairly short, but they're weekly. They, they drop every Sunday around noon Eastern time. Or, no, I'm sorry around 8 a.m. that I'm sorry, around 8 a.m. on Sundays. And it's right now, I'm just walking right now, walking through the book of beginnings, the book of Genesis, telling the story of the book of Genesis. So yeah, please hit me up on Simplify, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple, YouTube. They're all there. So thank you. I feel like yeah. from a podcaster to a podcaster, it's almost like two guys exchanging jerseys at the end of the game. Like, here, you can have my jersey. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I sincerely appreciate the plug. Well, thank I will you. say 
Yes, sir. I will say definitely from my standpoint, I've I've listened to the to Simplify and I love I know the name is Simplify, but I love how simple it is and how how far you break it down to just bring understanding to things. And it's like we can overcomplicate the Bible sometimes. Um, we can make it yes, seem like absolutely it's really and it is at points, you know, deep, you know, theological thing when sure. it could be, hey, just communicate this one truth at a time. And Absolutely. Uh, I love how you break Absolutely. it down. So. One truth at a time. Yes, sir. Yes, yes. Yes, sir. But uh, again, thank you, sir, for joining. And uh, we really do appreciate um, you being with us today.